Welcome to episode 28 of the Danso Pitch Pod. I am your yeah. host, Charles Danso, joined by my good friend, Rami. Rami, how are you feeling tonight? I'm feeling good, man. You got lots of energy. You got me pumped up already once I heard you coming out the gate. I'm excited. I'm, I'm fucking ready today. I'm feeling <laughs> good. I had a nice workout this morning. This week kicked my ass, so I'm definitely ready to kick some ass on this pod today. Let's go. Hell yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. What are we talking? What, what are we going to be talking about today? Uh, today, we're going to take it to Africa. We're going to discuss the oh. richest man in Africa. A lot of people may not know this man, but we're going to definitely give the info for the audience today. So the man's name is Aliko Degante. Do you know about this man, Rami? I've heard about him. I mean, Aliko Dangote. Yes, I've heard about him. You've mentioned him to me, actually. You put me on last year. Yeah, so, I mean, definitely, uh, for, for the audience, definitely tuning in. A lot of people are probably listening like Dangote. Well, who's that? We definitely here to give the info um, for those that's tuning in for our Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any audio, and our YouTube streaming platform at the Danso Pitch. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. We got a jam-packed episode for you guys today. I want okay. you guys to get your notepad. You guys definitely, uh, wherever you're listening to, whether you're home, in your car, um, at work right now, definitely take, take a minute, take a listen. This is definitely going to be some valuable information for today. So Hell let's yeah. start it off, Rami, for the audience. Let's give a little back information on this man, this great individual, Aliko Dangote. He grew up in Nigeria, in, in the Kano State, Nigeria. He was raised in the Muslim household, and he's actually from an upper-class uh, family. His yep. grandfather, uh, Sanusi Dantata, if I pronounced that wrong, my apologies, uh, he once was named one of the wealthiest people living in Kano. Nigeria. He made his fortune. This is his grandpa selling commodities like oats and rice. Um, Dantata basically adopted Dangote in 1965 after his father passed away at the age of nine. When Dangote was 21, after he finished his studies um, in college, he basically went, wanted to go the entrepreneurial route. He basically went to his uncle at the time and asked for $3,000 to basically start his agriculture's agricultural commodities business in Nigeria. And he actually ended up paying his, his uncle back the full 3000 at the time. And now you guys looking at back in the, the early seventies, uh, like mid mid seventies at the time, $3,000 in a country like Nigeria, that's, that was a lot of money. So, Hell yeah. so for his uncle, definitely take that gamble on his nephew. Um, that was definitely a big risk, but then Goti definitely paid dividends. Uh, he was able to pay back his, his uncle quickly in the span of just a couple months and his business basically took off at the time. So basically um, the, he started the Dangote group, which is basically the largest private sector um, business in Nigeria right now. And is basically the largest conglomerate business in West in Africa West. right now. Yeah. Um, so mm -hmm. so I wanted to, I wanted to talk about this, this part's really important in his story from what I've read and gathered about him is that he did come from a wealthy family and yet he was able to elevate that family to a much higher place by this loan. He took a one, he took one loan from his uncle and was able to pay it back in three months because he was making that much money. But um, this was really the turning point for him. And probably the earliest sign of him displaying that entrepreneurial um, mindset was he took that and then he started to import 
um, like commodities at wholesale prices. And then he was selling them at a markup in his local villages. And he became so successful. He was importing things like sugar and and rice from different countries for dirt cheap, flipping them in his local in his local market. And he was able to pay his uncle back so quickly. But um, I think what's really key here is that he didn't just stop there. He also found a successful business model. And then he continued to expand to these heights that he's at now by finding new needs and filling those needs himself instead of having to be a middleman. And I think that was really key. Yeah, I definitely agree. And uh, like you said, Rami, I mean, especially at that time, um, being so young, um, definitely taking a risk like that. Um, definitely, it's something that a lot of individuals wouldn't take that chance. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, and for me, I don't necessarily shun at him coming from a, a wealthy family, so to speak, because there are individuals, as we know, uh, I'm not going to say <laughs> the president that comes from a wealthy <laughs> family, but doesn't necessarily find success in any of his business ventures. So Absolutely. That, yeah, I think it's definitely a kudos to Dangote because of the fact he was able to basically have the drive, have the wherewithal to basically invest in the right uh, need at the time, especially in the place, a third world country like Nigeria at the time. Which probably has a lot of needs that could use filling, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, especially having, yeah, like rice, like you said, rice, sugar, these are things that even I know to this day is is scarce in some of these villages back home. And I can say that because of the fact being, obviously we're both foreigners. So we come from different foreign countries. So our parents come from foreign countries. So we definitely been there. We've seen how it's like, especially when you go to the poorer parts. Right. Um, where are you, where are you from Charles? From Ghana. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Ghana. So um, definitely um, for him to have this success, I definitely know that was something where he was hustling the right way because again like i said even to this day in some of the villages back home it is hard to get certain foods and sugars like how he was basically importing this Mm -hmm. from different uh, areas and he was getting them from places where these things were abundant you know so finding finding sugar and and rice in in the middle or central africa would be difficult but he was importing them from places like thailand and brazil um And here's here's where I think he's really the most interesting person um, in terms of his business profile is that after a while, he was making already so much money being a middleman. You know, he was importing from one place, selling to the people, paying back his suppliers. But he eventually started producing so much and he would reinvest money into his own business instead of spending it or, you know, doing whatever he, he would reinvest. And he started producing the things that he was importing. So he, um, it was cost, it's more costly to, you know, import and to buy it from someone else when you could make it yourself. So he would reinvest billions of his own dollars. And he eventually started, he produced plants that were producing sugar, flour, salt, and stuff like that. And then he became so big with producing the stuff. He even started building the the packaging for it so that he was like his whole self-sufficient model. So I think that is really a good model to follow that has led him to success. Yeah, he even uh, he quotes um, he had a quote where he was like in his earlier years when he was like in his uh, 20s, 30s, 40s. He didn't even take a vacation one time. And then uh, people were like uh, the interview. I think he did this with Forbes. The the interview was like, yeah, she. I read that. Yeah, yeah, she was like, you never took a vacation once because he was like, yeah. 
He was like, why, like what you, what you basically said, why is he going to take the money that he basically can reinvest and build out his business to basically have the luxury life? He said, when he's able to, to do so, um, once he actually acquiesces the wealth that he wanted, then he'll start taking a vacation. Now he's in his 60s and he apparently he takes a vacation every other week. Like, so imagine that, like <laughs> just having that, that ability to do so. And I think that's important. One thing Rami noted that I want to also point out to the audience is what you said, reinvesting a lot of your capital, the revenue that you make from your business. That's important for any business owner is reinvesting a lot of the money. You don't, you're going to make good money in um, basically any business that you basically do. But the, those that basically reinvest and build out a line, like he mm -hmm. said, um, he was first going to different countries and bringing this, uh, these uh, agricultural foods in, basically like sugar and all those other things. But eventually, after acquiescing the amount of wealth, reinvesting it, he started to actually build out his own products. He had built his own factories where he was able to source these um, products and basically ship them over parts of Africa. I think even the Dangote group right now is in like 10 different countries in Africa, which mm -hmm. is really, really hard to do especially for our Af my Africans, my foreigners listening, trying to get a different country's government in a country like Af a continent like Africa is difficult to do. So for him to do that is definitely a testament to the drive, the focus, the ability to reinvest his money and have the right political connections to basically have these uh, contracts where he's able to have these um, different type of products being pushed in these different countries in a large continent like Africa. So that's also important. Um, I, uh, also, one thing is um, about 80% of his conglomerate revenue comes from the Gante cement. So he mm -hmm. also does cement um, out of the Don, the Don Gante group. That's actually his biggest, his biggest, like, if you, if you ask him what's his business, that would probably be most of his operating income would be from the cement company. From the cement company. Uh, and a lot of people that may ask why maybe cement. Well, it's the landscape of Africa. Africa right now, a lot of times uh, we're, doing, we're dealing with real estate. Um, a lot of construction. Construction, yeah. So that's very important. And a lot of the, the businesses, a lot of the um, government officials in these various countries in Africa actually go to this man, uh, um, Dangote, and basically his business and then ask, you know, in terms of if they can get the supply through uh, his business and thus forth. So, I mean, that's, like you said, that's about 80% of his revenue right now. And you have to think, this man is worth about $10 billion. So you think, you're thinking of taking about 80%. He's yeah. nearly making about $6 billion of close to $5, 6000000000 billion just off of some, his cement uh, business alone. Which yeah, he's actually, you know, on the Forbes list right now, as of present day, he's 162 um, in the world of richest people. And he is the number one in Africa. Um, but get this, you know, he he owns 85% of the stake in his publicly traded Dangote cement. So 85% of a multi-billion dollar company that's operating in multiple countries, that is bank, you know, that is a lot. He they're the 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 continent's largest cement producer as well. So it's just crazy. He has you can you can list a ton of different industries that his conglomerate is taking place in but all of them kind of feed off of each other you've got 
you've got structural cement construction work, you've got refineries now producing the things that you can then produce at your factories. It's insane. Um, so I, I was reading this interview that he had with Time back in 2014, mm-hmm. and they were asking him about what he does differently, because a lot of people have that entrepreneurial mindset mm-hmm. and have money. Mm-hmm. But to keep that kind of success, that kind of model, what did he do differently? Mm-hmm. And this quote was just really interesting and, again, highlights what he does. He said that we had a lot of capital and we were able to build out our own power grid. The number one thing that kills businesses in Africa is power or the lack of power. We wanted to have our business completely independent with our own grid, so we built it, and it took $1.2 billion. That's an important lesson I took from the financial crisis, that it's so important to have capital. Um, and, And the last touch point is, at that point, we had about $2 billion in debt from expanding so quickly. So he's putting all that money and putting all that money, but he's accumulating debt. And he knows when to pump the brakes because he said he had to scale it back, you know. So you have to know as an entrepreneur when you're expanding too quickly, when to halt, and when to really be aggressive with growing. But you can see that he always thinks differently and thinks outside the box. Yeah, I mean, and, and for him, it's it's I definitely have to give him his kudos because of the fact, like what you just uh, mentioned, especially uh, being a, a foreign businessman. I think it's, it definitely has its challenges. Um, in a lot more of the developed countries and like, uh, and obviously the country like, um, you know, the United States or like, you know, different uh, countries in, in, in like a Europe or something of that nature, right? I think it's important because they're a little bit more developed, but he's in, in, in what they call, quote unquote, a third world country, um, especially with how these politicians are, how people do a lot of their operations back home, as we know, for our Africans, maybe Caribbeans, whatever the case is. It's hard. So for him to have had the understanding that, you know, he's investing this money, but he's doing it in a way where, yes, he may be taking on debt, but he's taking enough where he knows that, okay, this is how much I, my company can withstand. So I, I pull back, I go back in the back cave. And when I come out, <laughs> you yep. know, he goes know, into the lab. Exactly. And then when I come out, I know exactly what's, happening and how I can handle it. So I think that's important. Also, another thing that is very interesting with him is the fact of, unlike many of the wealthy Nigerians uh, in Nigeria, so to speak, um, he actually didn't go into the oil and gas business originally. Now, a lot of, for those that may not know, Nigeria actually houses the most billionaires in Africa right now. Um, they have, I think, about like 10 to 12. Um, that's like about a, a range of billionaires in there in Africa. A lot of people may not realize it because of the fact that unlike America, where like um, a lot of these um, quote unquote billionaires are publicly put out a lot of their business ventures. A lot of the Africans, obviously, you know, they like to not disclose a lot of their business dealings um, for that reason. We I mean, obviously, we know uh, we're not saying Americans don't do crook stuff, but they make it a lot harder back home. So, again, um, that's important to note. He, he originally didn't want to get into the oil and gas business um, for whatever his personal reasons, but now it seems that he's actually wanting to, and he's actually um, looking to take it all <laughs> and bring it back home to his native country in Nigeria. Enter Dangote Refinery in Lagos. So, uh, Rami, 
basically, Don Gote basically is building uh, this refinery in Nigeria where he's going to actually have um, it imported as opposed to him going to export a lot of these uh, and export a lot of these back into the different countries in Africa. Um, the, he's planning to have uh, 650,000 barrels per day integrated into integrated into um, a petrochemical project under construction in the Leke Free Zone near Lagos, Nigeria. Yeah, now it's going to cost about ten billion dollar project. Yeah, it's a ten billion dollar project. Um, now I know he's he's faced some backlash because apparently, um, I think it was like homes there that basically he basically kicked some people out to kind of get it. Um, to basically uh the the, the to get the land that he needed to basically build this. But end of the day, I can't really fault that in the sense of it's wrong. But at the same time, um, a lot of businesses do that when they're trying to build out a lot of these commercial projects. We can go to the Brooklyn Nets, even back here in the state, in the, in the city of New York, uh, where a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people got forced out of their homes. The rents went up like A lot crazy. of people can't afford to live there anymore. It happens exactly. everywhere, man. Yeah, it happens everywhere. So I wouldn't put too much into that. I think that's just a general thing. but. Um, I, I do have to kind of, we have to highlight exactly how important this could be potentially down the road, because again, um, for the Dangote oil refinery, a company owned by the Dangante group and Aliko Dangante, he's developing a project like what he said, uh, Rami is about, he said 10 billion, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And basically in doing so, he's looking to basically house um, and estimated to hold about 37 billion uh, barrels of proven oil reserves in Nigeria. Nigeria right now is currently the second biggest oil rich country in Africa and the after Libya, which is the largest one right now. Um, so that's important. Like we mentioned, a lot of the billionaires in Nigeria right now make their wealth through the oil business. So that's important. What he wants to do, though, is basically, like he said, he wants to have something where everything is centralized in the continent of Africa. They don't have to go to a lot of these European countries. They don't have to go to these Middle Eastern countries. They don't have to go to the Asian countries or some of even the American businesses. So what, in doing so, how may that affect somebody that may be it may be America or somewhere in Europe? Uh, Rami, your thoughts on that? What do you think could potentially happen to some some place like us over here in the, in the states or even in a well? Europe? This could do this could have major ripples through the global economy. You know, people. I feel like right now Africa has always been an importer of things, and as a result, you know, several global economy several economies of nations depend on that you know that business of them exporting to africa but now once they see more places being able to to be honest i don't think people are going to like it that uh, you know one of their for example best um customers is now producing all their own product you know so i don't this could force this could force some more competitive pricing um for global products and commodities and this could also lead to some, you know, better quality of life in Africa when people don't have to pay, you know, tariffs and importing the the import taxes of bringing in other products. So this could have major effects, but, you know, nobody wants to see a fully independent, like self-regulated um, place 
that they have always typically had control of. So I imagine it, they're not going to make it easy for him, you know? So that's yeah. why I like Dangote's style because yeah. he doesn't need nobody else to to provide for him. He, You know, he's done it the right way and he's reinvested in himself. Everything he's done, he's put more money on himself and he's doubled down on it. And that goes to show how confident he is in his business mindset. I agree. I mean, definitely um, it's something where uh, we we definitely have to give him his kudos because he bet on himself. He has the money. He has the fuck you money. The fuck you money is basically the money he could just throw around because of the fact he knows that he's the richest motherfucker there. So who's going to tell him otherwise? Yeah, he, can, he doesn't he have can, to do the oil thing. He's he rich. He's plenty rich enough. He's the number one richest man in his entire continent. Exactly. But, you know, he has so much extra cash reserves from his revenue that he's putting more money into himself. And that, again, distinguishes him, whereas other people don't put as much money into developing their own their own line of products, you know? Yeah. And, and for me, it's, it's, it's a future way of thinking because um, Africa right now is looking to get out of what we quote, what Americans and Europeans quote as third world, so to speak. Um, as you guys have been paying attention, electric vehicles are taking over um, the world right now, um, but it hasn't actually hit Africa. It's in different parts. But they're building transit systems in Africa. Nigeria right now got a contract to build out a transit system. What do transit uh, uh, cars basically run on? Gas and oil. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of these cars um, that are, are that are coming into, to, uh, so to speak, Africa. A lot of foreigners are moving back home to Africa um, are from, our, from, from our generation. Our parents had us. So we're looking to go back, start businesses. So we're going to have money. And when we come in with money, what are we bringing? Cars. So what do cars need? Gas. So this may, this is a benefit for him. And again, he doesn't become the richest man in Africa, not making investments that he knows that he's not going to win on, so to speak. Um, That's you a can good say, point. Yeah. So again, here's something that he knows that is going to be a benefit for him. He's looking at who his, who his competitors are. His competitors are the Chinese coming into Africa doing businesses, uh, the Americans, Europeans coming in. So as opposed to him having to pay a, a, a large sum to these individuals and in the other foreign co continents, he has it in-house where he's making the most money. He's getting the best bang for his buck. And, as, and he now has to distribute to different people. And he gets the wholesale he gets more of the capital as a result because of the fact that it's coming from his company like rami articulated he owns 85 percent of the dangote group which is probably the most successful conglomerate business right now in west africa and pretty much africa as a whole right now so i think that's important to note that if you see dangote becoming richer in the next three to five years there's a reason why it's going into these oil reserves that he's looking to basically build out um ironically the funny thing is he's actually has his investment group is the international bank led led by started chartered bank who has agreed to provide him 3.3 billion syndicated loan for this project the united states trade and development agency is also providing 2.2.3 billion <laughs> to basically have this um to have the training grant for the human resource development of the refinery operation. 
So Dangote also is utilizing. <laughs> He's getting a lot of government and a lot of uh, loan money, I see. <laughs> oh, yeah, I thought he was using his own money. You would have thought. <laughs> <laughs> That's the goal, to get big enough to just get the World Bank to give you a massive, like, $5 billion loan, you know? Exactly. So mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you, Charles, what do you, you know, you you are African. I am not. What would you want somebody, you know, like me to get to gather from this whole discussion? You know, what, what would be the takeaways that would be valuable? I mean, obviously to everyone, but, you know, to somebody listening that might be like, oh, this isn't I don't have to I don't need to pay attention to this. I think uh, there's three things that I want to mention. The first one is from an investment standpoint. A lot of people don't know that even though you live in a country like Europe, you live in a country like the United States, you can actually invest into uh, different businesses in foreign countries like Nigeria, excuse me, so to speak. Example, the Dangote uh, group is on the Nigerian Stock Exchange, which you can actually apply for. Um, you can just Google search Nigerian Stock Exchange and actually invest your money through there. Um, there's a lot of people I know that are doing it. I'm in the process of doing it right now. Now, don't worry, guys, for those that may be like, this, oh, well, how do you know it's not a scam, this and that? It's not because they're actually regulated much like the yeah. the, the stock exchange here in the United States and the, and in different other countries. I read some I read some crazy stat like that the Dangote group makes up like like 60 percent of the Nigerian stock exchange, stock exchange total, yeah. total market cap. And it might yeah. even be higher than that. Yeah, so, and, and, and Rami is right. Uh, the market capitalization, like example, when you hear like Apple is a $2 trillion uh, market cap, which is basically what, is basically what the total assets of that of that uh, business. So just think about that. 60% the Dangote group basically houses. The reason why is because they control so many uh, different necessities within Africa, which is oil, sugar, cement. Uh, now they're getting into uh, basically oil I mean gas. So that's another thing in the in the in the uh, basically business scope that they basically own. So, again, for my investors that are looking to invest in different type of businesses, I would say look into different uh, stock exchanges, not just the American S&P 500 stock exchange. You should look at the Nigerian stock exchange. That's an example, because I'm telling you. The, the way you build capital through the stock market is you look and diversify your portfolio. That can also be outside of what we normally know as just the American stock exchange. You can also look at the Nigerian stock exchange. This guy's business model, I'm telling you, for the audience listening in, in the next three to five years, is going to make someone very rich that is going to be invested in the Dangote group. The next piece is. For, for my foreigners, for those that may not be foreigners, having a powerful man like this in-house oil. Oil is an important thing anywhere that you go. Look, Tesla's doing well, but not everybody drives a Tesla. 80% of Americans alone don't drive a Tesla. So think about that. What do we usually get? gas you go buy gas at your bp uh whatever other uh gas company you go to a lot of these people go to foreigners to base foreign countries in the middle east and africa to get their oil so if somebody like dangote is saying hey i don't need to go to the middle east i don't need to go to asia i don't need to go to europe or america to get this 
I can in-house this myself and distribute this amongst the continent of Africa. That's a big problem because now a lot of uh, American, European uh, refinery manufacturers won't have the oil to distribute and make their money. So how does that affect you? Gas prices may go up because of the fact they're not getting business for a lot of these refineries that they're reselling this oil to. So that's important to note. For, so for those people that may be paying gas, I would look at this because of the fact is as your, your gas right now is $2, two something because of the pandemic. If you're in the Northeast, maybe in the South is a little cheaper. You may be looking at it at three to $4 as a markup price in the next three to five years because of the fact of if they're not getting business with a lot of these foreign countries, because they're starting to basically, Russia is another country uh, that uh, Rami, they may not know that is trying to control a lot of the oil and in-house it through their own country. So a lot of countries right now where a lot America and Europe and Asia is basically going to do their business in, they're starting to say, fuck you, we're going to do this ourselves and just Everybody have it in our country. Oil, man. That's, exactly. There, there have been so many wars and, and policies passed to just take control of oil. Don't let them fool you with these electric cars. Their oil is still going to be very prevalent yeah. for the next couple decades at least. Exactly. I mean, not everybody has 30,000 plus to buy a Tesla. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. A lot of people, uh, I myself, I drive a gas car. So again, and I'm probably going to be in the next three to five years. I mean, yes, California wants to go all emissions, electric vehicles, but not everybody's going to have an electric vehicle. Let's be yeah, honest. Yeah, like good luck. So, That's going to take a long time. Exactly. They're, they got their eyes on the oil, which is the prize. Exactly. So that that's just important to know. And I think the most important thing is for every Jeff Bezos, there's an Alico Dangante. So I think that's important to note. Yes, we know the richest man in America, but I think for our audience, we also want to highlight individuals in other countries, in other continents that are also killing it in the game, that are also doing well, something that they could benefit their country, their native country, um, so to speak. So that's why I think having this episode to highlight uh, an individual like this is important. Because of the fact, again, a lot of people don't know who this guy is. A lot of my friends I know that I've spoken to, I've mentioned this name. They're like, who? <laughs> no, but they don't, they don't know who it is. But end of the day, I think that's somebody that you can know. Because, again, a lot of these people are the people that are the culture shifters. Mm -hmm. Culture shifters are basically individuals that come out with a product idea that individuals gravitate to. And it changes the landscape of business for the next 10 years going forward. So that's just important to note. Um, Again, this is Aliko Dangote. So this is important um, for, for my Nigerians. If I pronounce his name wrong, my apologies for my American accent. <laughs> but um, I just wanted you guys to kind of have an idea, uh, Rami, right, for them to know about how to do foreign investments, how foreign business impacts uh, business back, back here, how to basically invest into on the exchange, the Nigerian stock exchange, for example. All these are important. And this is something that we wanted to just highlight. Um, Rami, your last thoughts for the audience. Yeah, I mean, we did this episode not only as an inside look into the mind of a great entrepreneur and his journey, but also to open some of the listeners' minds to places that they might not have thought about before, which is, you know, the import, the reliance on oil, global economies and how um, imports and exports really depend on each other and how to invest in foreign stock markets because, you know, 
a lot of people only know about the um, barely know about the the American stock markets, let alone there are stock markets in all these other countries. So there is a world of possibilities out there in terms of how to invest your money and how to grow your business as seen by Dan Gote. And um, there were some really good lessons in terms of owning, starting and growing a business that we could learn from the richest man in Africa. And I appreciated learning about him. So thank you, Charles, for telling me about him. Oh, no, no problem. I mean, they smile. Ah! <laughs> so basically, like, for those that may be listening right now, again, Aliko Dangote, which his last name is D-A-N-G-O-T-E. Look up this man. I'm telling you, for the audience listening in, this man is doing something big that is going to affect the world. We at the Danso Pitch, we highlight individuals like this because we highlight the culture shifters. That is our term that we coin. We call it the culture shifters, which are individuals that may do a business or idea that changes the landscape of what the world will look like in the next five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. So again, tune in to this episode. I don't care who you listen in with, subscribe, give it to that individual, send this information that we've provided for you guys. Again, we're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Rami, I love doing this podcast with Hell you. Hell yeah, man. Great, this was bro. a great one. Thanks for having me again. Thank you, man. Tune in. We'll be available, all right? All right, I'm out of here. Take care. Guys. All right, later. All right, peace.